welcome to the second season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each week I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Jose Solis. Jose writes about film and theater, and his work has appeared in publications including The New York Times, American Theater, TDF Stages, Time Out, and Backstage. He is the co-host of Token Theater Friends and a producer and host on the Maximu podcast. He's a member of the Drama Desk and the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics and the Online Film Critics Society. We're going to talk today about Latinx characters in musical theater. Hi, Jose. Thank you so much for being here, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. Yeah. Well, we will get started with our get to know our guest questions. Uh, what was your first experience with a musical? I want to say that my very first memory of a musical is Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. When I was little. Right. I don't, it must have been like her either singing in the Alps or the lonely goat herd. I was obsessed with the lonely goat herd because I wanted my parents to mm-hmm. buy me like a puppet Aww, like, set yeah, thing. Yeah. and they were like where the hell are we going to put this thing <laughs> I mean it's amazing that they had that in their house well I mean they were super rich <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they had like a palace basically yeah. but um, I think that was my very first experience with the musical and I grew up on classic movies because yeah. I grew up in a part of the world with really no theater and definitely like no musical theater. Mm-hmm. Like in fact, I, I mean, I, I was born in Honduras and I lived in Costa Rica for eight years when I went to college and you're going to be maybe mm-hmm. surprised, but I hope pleasantly surprised that it was until like three years ago where in Costa Rica they mounted the very first musical oh. ever in like, you know, the history of the country. Yeah. And they ended up doing uh, West Side Story. But then, like, my actual, like, first, like, theater musical experience was, uh, I was visiting New York once when I was, uh, pre-adolescent, and I went to see Chicago, because my, my, my father told me, like, what, do you want money to spend, like, do, what, do you, what do you want to buy when you're mm-hmm. in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was at the age where, like, my brothers were, like, super into video games, and that's what they were coming to buy, <laughs> but I was like, I want to go see a Broadway show. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about lotteries and rush tickets and right, all that. Right. So, like, my dad uh, was like, go to, go to the computer and, like, find your ticket. And mm-hmm. I bought my ticket to go see Chicago. And it was pretty incredible. What is the last great musical you saw? Exactly one week ago, I went to the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival oh, cool. for Into the Woods, which was yeah. the very first musical they've ever done. Mm-hmm. And... It was just magical. Like, I felt... Because I've seen productions of Into the Woods before, and we're probably... Yeah, let's not even talk about the movie version. (laughs) But that production, the Hudson Valley, it was just, like, magical. I felt that... It felt... The musical felt like it had just been written that morning. Wow. And people were performing it for the first time that night. It was absolutely breathtaking. That was one of my very first, like, favorite shows, Into the Woods. Like, I had the VHS um, when I was in third grade, and I was obsessed with it, and so, but, like, as, it's not, like, my favorite anymore, it's just, like, one of the ones that I love, but, like, you're just making me, like, remember how much, like, I loved that show. The production is so tiny, and, like, 
everything's been like scaled down and it's like one of those like minimalist musicals but not in a way that's like um that that's like the shtick if right, you know what i right. mean but rather like the production the, the the musical has been like pared down to such like the definitive elements what older or classic show did you recently see for the first time and what was your experience with it uh well i mean probably everyone Nowadays, it's just, like, obsessed with Oklahoma mm-hmm. because of the Broadway production. Right, right. And it, that was just, like, also just, like, so, like, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I uh, I knew the movie version, and I've seen, like, that Hugh Jackman taped yeah. version. Did he do it on Broadway? No, that it was... was in Australia, it, right? I think it was in London. London, that's right. Yeah. So I've seen that, yeah. and I've seen, like, the movie and all that. I've never seen, like, other... Mm-hmm. live production of Oklahoma. My middle school did it when I was in elementary school. Did you like it when I you think were I did. I think so. I, 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 I vividly remember Ado Annie. <laughs> <laughs> and like hearing her, I remember hearing her saying that, you know, I can't say no. Um, and I remember, for some reason I remember, um, what's his name? Ali Hakim? <laughs> I don't know why that character sticks out in my mind, but it was... Uh, I remember him, you know, coming on and off with his, you know, cart. Right, right, right. I mean, those two, are, I think, are the best characters. Yeah, right? like, yeah. They're, like, impossible to forget. So That's true, yeah. that's true. I mean, I guess Rodgers and Hammerstein were doing something right. Yeah. With, at least with them. But with this production, it was just, like, revelatory. Like, everything that I thought I knew about the musical with, like, all the Technicolor, like, everything is beautiful and, like, America and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, in fact, it's just the opposite of what we have been told the musical is it's like a, a critique of mm-hmm. america and of the expansion of the yeah yeah taking people's lands right, and right. xenophobia and all of that and I, I love that production what is a musical people might be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised cats <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah. yeah, I think they would be very surprised, first of all, because, uh, and I apologize in advance if you're a cat person, but I'm, like, extremely allergic to cats. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, okay. So I cannot stand cats. Like, <laughs> but it's all, it's, like, a health thing, because, like, if yeah. I'm around them, like, I get really sick. Right. So, like, you don't want, you can't like something that makes you sick. Right. right? No, I totally get it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't like real-life cats, but yeah. I went to see the Broadway revival mm-hmm. of Cats, which yeah. was basically the same as the original. I went twice because I had such an incredible time and the music is really wonderful and I think that people would be surprised to find out that I love cats so much Mm -hmm. because they think um, I think that we have failed the musical (laughs) in like trying to see that first of all it doesn't really matter that that it makes no sense right 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 (laughs) like I wish more things made no sense right it doesn't yeah yeah it's more like avant-garde in that way. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it's like, it's so like it's such a sensual experience for like you know like mm-hmm. you're always like hoping that the cats are gonna come and like touch you. Right. And there's like the dance and and all yeah. that. It's just like visually stimulating, and the music is really remarkable. Yeah. Which writers of the past and working today do you admire most? How can you not love Stephen right. Sondheim? The more that I listen to Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals mm-hmm. with the mentality of an adult yeah. and a more critical like point of view, especially considering how many, I think all of their musicals are about the someone trying to 
you know, about being an outsider. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them are about that. Yeah. And I only realized that until very recently. So even going back to something like, not only Oklahoma, but right. even, like, something like Showboat mm-hmm. or even, like, Allegro. And it's always this, like, one individual who's an outcast in many mm. ways and who's giving everyone problems like <laughs> and I love that so much and I, I I cannot wait to to uh to dig more into yeah. their work because I thought I knew it so well right and I really don't yeah their stuff is so rich yeah in that way I kind of had a similar like awakening to them as an adult where like I grew up like seeing their shows done in schools and you know and uh you know having seen some of the movies and whatnot they can be problematic but there's there's always like so much going on and so much to talk about oh yeah they're super problematic but they're like perfect capsules of what was going on in the time I really love and I really miss Michael Friedman I Mm. think he was doing incredible work yeah yeah before he passed and um, obviously Jason Robert Brown mm-hmm. and I love uh, York and Kit. Mm-hmm. I guess like everyone, you know, all like the the the, the staples. Right. Uh, but also, uh, and although they've only collaborated in one musical together, I love what Aaron McKeon and Kiara mm-hmm. Alegria Hudes did with yeah. Missy Like Hell. Like I want them to do a thousand more musicals together. Well, let's move on to our topic, uh, which is the history of Latinx characters in musicals other than In the Heights and West Side Story. Um, is there uh, a reason you, you don't want to mention those two at all? Because <laughs> they're the easy ones. Yeah. Like, it, you know, when people think about Hispanic and Latinx characters, mm-hmm. it was the, either West Side Story right. or In the Heights. and as perfect as those musicals are, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to see beyond the, you know, the obvious, because there's, there's not that many, as we're about to, like, (laughs) talk about. Yeah. But, you know, especially, I'm thinking when artistic directors and theater companies, like, regional companies, I mean, in New York, Mm -hmm. when they want to do something about, you know, the Hispanic and Latinx culture in America, They're gonna go for West Side Story. They're gonna go for In the Heights, and mm-hmm. I kind of was hoping that with this conversation, we yeah. like open up their minds a little bit to see what else there is. Yeah, totally. It was interesting just like doing a little bit of research into what musicals there are, and a lot of them either are from a previous time, and they're probably not, you know, they're written white by white people, mm-hmm. and their the representation isn't great, or they're current, and they're just like off-Broadway or off-off and they just haven't gotten into the more mainstream mm-hmm. yet and haven't gotten as many opportunities. It's going to be interesting looking at all the different all the different uh, levels, I guess, of, <laughs> of what's out there. So you mentioned that they're, the very first American all-Spanish musical was produced in the States two years ago. Um, which show was that? I was very surprised about that. The musical is called La Canción, mm-hmm. which means the song in, in, in Spanish. And it was a, a completely brand new musical that Repertorio Español uh, started doing in 2016. Mm-hmm. It's still playing because Repertorio does, you know, it's a repertory theater. So oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the musical still plays like maybe once or twice a month. So mm-hmm. it's out there if people want to go see it. 
and it's this like really exciting combination of like reggaeton and like salsa mm. and it's all like the latin x like things that you would listen to on the radio put right, it to right. a musical and i did an interview with the director of the of the of the piece uh edward torres three years ago mm-hmm. and when i was doing my research to talk to him i was so like depressed to realize that it was the very first mm-hmm. all spanish musical produced in the united states yeah and there's some musicals that are in spanish that are produced in spain and mexico yeah. mostly because those are like the biggest like theater uh you know like places right, right? And, and 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 spanish-speaking uh countries there's a a bigger tradition of jukebox musicals yeah. in spain where they like kind of grab like songs by famous Spanish mm. artists and yeah. turn them into musicals and also in Mexico but usually what happens is that they will grab like Wicked and Chicago and like all the yeah. big English um, speaking musicals and just translate them right and those are the musicals that are produced outside the states but with La Canción which had uh, music and lyrics by Vico C who is uh He's like so ancient, and I mean this like as a compliment. <laughs> I swear, so ancient maybe is not right, because he's so accomplished that he's kind of like the grandfather mm-hmm. of reggaeton, even though he's like very young. Yeah. But he started doing music like all the way back in the early '90s, mm-hmm. where I remember, I don't even remember what the genre was called back then. But it's like you know the the seeds of reggaeton were in his mm-hmm. music. He was combining rap in Spanish. Yeah with electronica and like dance beats and like world music sounds and he was commissioned this musical by Repertorio uh, with a book by Candido Tirado and so far you know it's been three years and it's still the only all Spanish musical in United States history so if anyone's listening and you actually wrote a Spanish musical that I don't know about and I swear to god I did my research please let me know so I'll be happier. <laughs> They're not in the mainstream, uh, you know, Broadway houses, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. They're, we're still going to see them in the communities, which I guess is also good, because that's where they um, should be seen, too. Oh, absolutely, because they're also so specific. Very recently, I found out also that in Mexico, one of the greatest composers in world history, I think, his name is Armando Manzanero, who's produced some of the most beautiful boleros and ballads mm-hmm. in, in the world. And in Mexico, a few years ago, they he wrote a musical. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why can't I have the Armando Manzanero musical right. in New York? Right. I mean, why? So, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it becomes, there becomes more interest in these musicals of, in Spanish mm-hmm. uh, so that we can all see them. But or has recordings, I hope, also. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's that musical, which is all in Spanish, and then we have, you know, musicals that are in the, the general, I guess, musical theater canon that have uh, Latinx characters that are, you know, well-known musicals that we have Evita, um, a chorus line has Diana Morales. Um, what are, I guess, what are your impressions of these musicals and these characters and how they're they're written and portrayed. I actually wanted to ask you yeah. that question. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, uh, I don't know. Do you speak Spanish? Or I do don't. You? Okay. Yeah. Because I was, when I was looking at the list that, that 
that you had put together and mm-hmm. then like when I was adding stuff I was like I wonder what this looks like for yeah. you yeah no it's a good question to me I just got just from making an overall list got the impression that like there were these one or two big musicals that either had one character you know like Diana Morales um, or it was you know about you know Evita you know about like characters that were and, and set in you know a South American country but written by white people with that perspective um, and then you go into like a lot of older musicals that have characters I don't know them that well like Paint Your Wagon or uh, Cole, Mexican Hayride by Cole Porter which it seemed like those ones like didn't were you know written by these people who weren't really looking at an authentic oh, yeah. <laughs> representation of them. Like, I think a lot of those older musicals, I, I don't think either of us would want revivals of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cape Man, I did see, the public did, like, a concert. No, was it a concert or a stage? They did, in the, in the park, um, like, five or so years ago. And I did see that. And I remember, I remember liking the music. But then, you, then I, like, you see these uh off-broadway ones that and i'm sure there's more like in the development that i don't even know about that it it seems like people are now starting to like write you know more authentic because these are it's like them coming from their own culture Mm -hmm. or looking at like important stories you know that aren't just like oh and that's the (laughs) that's the the token you know uh, Mexican character or whatever. Because, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, what, what I saw was also what you saw, which basically is that the musicals that have to do with Latinx characters are mm-hmm. either, like, biographical musicals, like On Your Feet and Evita, right. which is, like, real-life people, and then, you know, yeah. like, in the case of Gloria Stefanin and On Your Feet, like, where she has, like, a huge catalog of music. Yeah. Like, uh, I, this is where I have to say, and I hope you don't cut this part, I am very disappointed in Broadway <laughs> for not giving us a Selena musical. Oh, that, yeah. that needs to happen like mm-hmm. today. Yeah. But anyway, and then we have all these others where the uh, the Latinx characters, even in something like a chorus line, mm-hmm. which like I mean, Diana Morales is like all the characters in that show feel like they get equal amounts of attention. Mm-hmm. But even someone like Diana feels like a like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Like she's only there to like represent like right. a piece of what you know what yeah what New York and what backstage Broadway looked like yeah. at the time I cannot believe that we left out the kids of the spider woman from oh, our list yes <laughs> um, yes that's a show I really need to see it needs to come to New York in some ways so I can <laughs> I would love to see it because uh, obviously like because there's also the fact that whenever there's someone like Cheetah for instance yeah. uh, involved the musicals themselves don't necessarily become Latinx because that's mm-hmm. not how this works right. but just having Cheetah Rivera for instance in something like The Visit mm-hmm. makes it almost instantly like a worth including her character in that musical like Claire uh, Sakanasian mm-hmm. that's not the most Latinx num- name right, right. in the world but I feel that because it's Cheetah right and mm-hmm. she's such a legend I almost not almost I literally created for myself a backstory for her character yeah. where she is in fact a Latina woman 
who mm-hmm. is displaced, yeah. and then she has to go abroad and uh, just create this persona for her so she can be accepted back mm-hmm. in the community. And I think the musical was telling a very, a very timely story about immigration mm-hmm. and what it feels like to not fit in, you know, America. Yeah. And then like coming back. Do you think like because they had cheetah it embraced that fact does it just add an extra layer for you it's just for me (laughs) to be honest because i think uh i mean it's cheetah right whenever whenever like she's such a great performer she's a really great actress she's a really talented dancer like i mean she she still dances better than like 20 year olds Uh, and just because she's such a larger-than-life star, mm-hmm. I feel that she brings a lot of things that aren't in the book, in the lyrics, or the music, but right. just by her presence there, yeah. they feel like Cheetah, right? Like, she's bringing, like, history with her. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting, because, like, I've, there's musical, then it gets into, like, performances, where it's, like, there's musicals that are written, they're writing specifically Latinx characters, or with that those stories in mind and then there's also the musicals where it's not but then you have an actor that comes in and can bring that to the story but just by them being uh latinx it makes that character that latinx and then it becomes that in a way that's um, a whole other podcast i know right? <laughs> i know so it's, i think thought about lindsey mendes and carousel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's like, I mean, anything that Raul Esparza does, like yeah. technically we can say that we've had a Latinx next Bobby, right? Right, right. Which I hadn't thought about, huh, huh, that's so cool. But, yeah, <laughs> huh. But yeah, I mean, what I do li- like about Diana Morales and A Chorus Line is that when she does have her, her song, her one song, basically, um, it doesn't, it, it does, I feel like it leans into her, her background mm-hmm. and her, you know, the, when she prays you know, that part always stuck out to me. It's just like, oh, like, that's that's a specific character thing that, like, um, like that's that wouldn't be me, you know, as, mm-hmm. as like, a, a white person or a Jewish person. <laughs> like, that, you know, that's, like, specifically, like, her character, um, you know, praying in this moment, you know, little things like that, which I do appreciate in the, for that show and that song and the lyric, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very right about that. I hadn't thought about that. It's, it's. I mean, it's very specific. I, I guess mm-hmm. my problem is that I was just, I'm just like, uh, selfish, and I'm like, <laughs> I want a whole musical about, about Diana Morales. Morales. Yeah. Oh, they should totally do a spinoff musical. That's. A, Can you imagine? I mean, this is a genre of musicals that like should exist. I think how there's spinoff TV shows, <laughs> <laughs> like that musicals need spinoffs, and if they did, uh, they could just take that character and you know do a whole. Uh, musical about her that would be awesome that would be incredible <laughs> I, I also wanted to talk to you about the fact that all like the the most the, you know the well known musicals mm-hmm. that have been on Broadway yeah with Latinx characters the leads are all women yeah they're all female characters mm-hmm. uh, except for Kate Man, but, but oh yeah, yeah and but, I guess um, Kiss of the Spider Woman right but I mean, like, also, yeah. like, the, the Aurora is kind of, like, the mm. the center. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the Kiss of a Spider-Woman, you think about Cheetah. You don't really think True. that much about the two men. Yeah, I think if, the... I, if I actually have seen it, instead of just, like, knowing... Like, I don't know too much about it. I just know, like, those two men were in it, you know, right. Right. aside from her. So, 
Yeah, I think if I saw it, I would probably feel that way. And yeah. but like all these musicals are about mm-hmm. Latina women, right. right? And I think all of them are written by men. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about like Evita, for instance, which right. is like the story of Eva Perón, but it's narrated by. Che, right. che Guevara, who she never even met in real life. <laughs> right, right. But he's the one telling her story. Yeah. And I don't know what, you know, I don't know what that says about the fact, but I guess this is also like universal beyond just Latinx characters, mm-hmm. where it's always men who are telling the stories of everyone. Right, yeah. right. Until you get to the off-Broadway, more recent off-Broadway musicals on the list, um, those are actually all these ones are have a, a female writer in the team um but before that it's all all men, all men. yeah andrew lloyd weber and tim rice <laughs> and i mean if you think about west side it's sondheim and bernstein and yeah yeah it's it's kind of disappointing mm-hmm. like i I've, I've also wanted to ask you when you were doing your research for this and you were adding stuff like what caught your what made you like go ugh, about like the older <laughs> musicals that that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I mean, I think also like I was reading people's reactions on the, online to them, <laughs> and like I don't even like someone was like Cole Porter's Mexican Hayride. That's a joke, right? Like, <laughs> it sounds like a parody. It sounds like a joke. I mean, it does. It does. I don't know it, but um, I know some songs from Paint Your Wagon, and apparently. The film version doesn't include um, the, uh, Mexican the Mexican character. character. Yeah. Surprise! I would be interested actually to see how they they handled that in in that musical. I added the Streets of Paris because I found it really interesting, and this is why I'm even more ashamed of not having remembered the Kiss of the Spider Women, because <laughs> the Streets of Paris was a review from 1939, mm-hmm. and it was the musical that first introduced American audiences to Carmen Miranda. Oh, wow. Uh, it was also a Broadway review that introduced Abbott and Costello oh, and wow. uh, Gower Champion to Broadway audiences. It was hmm. the very first time they were all together on Broadway. The last song in the first act was South American Way, which mm-hmm. is the number that we all think about when we think about Cam- Carmen Miranda. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the song list for the first act, it's just like a bunch of like very review songs yeah. where I can imagine people like laughing. But then closing your first act with this incredibly beautiful woman mm-hmm. wearing this like colorful gowns and like the fruit yeah. hat. Oh my gosh. And just having that close your first act yeah. sounds like a work of genius. Mm-hmm. And I know that reviews are not that common on Broadway anymore mm. but yeah I wanted to talk about that musical because after that happened there was this like short-lived uh, Latin explosion so mm. to speak where like a lot of Latino uh, elements yeah. became fashionable and huh. everyone wanted to be Carmen Miranda yeah and everyone started like wearing like fruit motifs and like <laughs> colorful uh, outfits, and it was because of this even that Disney started becoming uh, interested in mm-hmm. exploring South America. And you remember, like during the during the war, Disney mm-hmm. had this initiative of going down to South America yeah. to build 
closer relationships with uh, South American countries, mm. mostly to prevent them from becoming, <laughs> from joining the Nazis, oh. but also to strengthen, you know, the American continent as a whole. Yeah. And Carmen Miranda played a part in movies like The Three Caballeros right. that Disney put out, which is also a musical. Yeah. So she kind of became the ambassador huh. for Latinidad back in the 1940s. Wow. And just a year after she did uh, South American Way on Broadway, she uh, did the song in a movie called Down Argentine Way, which, oh my God, that's like, you know, if we're going to talk about racist like, stereotypes <laughs> and cliches, like, yeah, yeah, let's not even go there. But I just thought it was so exciting yeah. that she made, you know, she put Latin America on the map in the right. 1940s. And all because of a musical, I mean, a review, but it's still, you know... A, that's why, like, I don't really think enough about reviews and how important they are, especially since, as you said, there aren't that many going on now, but they can really do, they can really be powerful in this way. Yeah, and like, even just because of one song. I also wanted to talk about The Ritz, right. which is not a musical, but it's a, a play by Terrence McNally. It's a yeah. farce. But the reason why I included this in our conversation was because it stars, uh, Rita Moreno, who plays... Did you see the revival? They did it, like, maybe like a decade ago. I think Rosie Perez played the... Oh, a revival of yeah. the Ritz? No, I had never heard of it. This Terrence McNally play takes place in a bathhouse. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like Sister Act. Oh, yeah? Where there's, like, a gangster who's hiding in the gay bathhouse. Huh. Because someone's after him, right? Yeah. And they're in the bathhouse. He meets Googie Gomez, which is the character oh. that Rita Moreno played. Yeah. And she's this, like, I, I kind of can help but think of, you know, like, early Bette Midler, where she was singing in the bathhouse right, right, right. and all of that. And she is kind of like a Bette Midler slash Sally Bowles figure, where yeah. she's not supposed to be very good. Right, right. But she's just, like, you know, like, haunting the bathhouses, because it's the only place oh. where she can perform. Yeah. And she thinks that the guy who's a gangster is this, like, huge producer. Uh -huh. And the gangster thinks that she's a drag queen. Uh-huh. So, but Rita Moreno played this part. And she won a Tony for it. And it's so crazy to think that Rita Moreno has a Tony for something that's not a musical performance, right? Right, right. And then she also played the part in the movie version. So maybe the reason why I thought it was important to talk about this other than Rita Moreno was because... I mean, what is Terrence McNally waiting to turn the Ritz into a musical? Right, right. That's <laughs> it has true. all the makings of a musical. Yeah, well, I, when I was doing the research, I, I saw it on a list of musicals, and that's what I thought it was. I guess sometimes it sounds like she does musical numbers. And yeah. It, yeah, so people probably associate it with musical, a musical. So, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> it, should, it needs to happen, right? Yeah. Especially while Terrence is still like active. Right. And we talked about Cape Men. And mm -hmm. I, you said, you know, it's really hard not to, it's really hard to dislike or to not approve of Paul Simon. Yeah. Because he's a freaking genius, right? But with Cape Man, one of the things that's always like, the music's really wonderful, but one of the things that's always like really like bothered me about Cape Man is like, how do you let, again, two white men tell a story yeah. of someone like, you know, like Salvador Agron, mm -hmm. who is... I mean, bravo to them for, you know, making a musical about uh, 
a killer, right? Right. I wish I I I'd seen the original production on Broadway. Yeah. Although it closed like what, like seventy performances after it opened, right? Yeah, or I'm something. not sure. It was very short lived. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the stars of the Broadway um, production because it had Mark Anthony and Ruben. Uh, Blades. I'm sorry, yeah. I call him Ruben Blades because I'm Hispanic, but I mm-hmm. guess here it's like Ruben Blades, mm-hmm. and it Nita Nazario. Mark Anthony back mm-hmm. then was uh, kind of like getting established yeah. in his career, but Mark Anthony is by far, I think, the most famous salsa mm-hmm. musician mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, he's massive. Like he fills up like stadiums all over oh. Latin America. Yeah. Most people in the States know him because he was married to Jennifer Lopez at some point. Right, right. And they did a couple of duets together. What's so exciting to me as a Latino with Cape Man is that Mark Anthony, who is the current king of salsa, mm-hmm. was playing a younger version of Ruben Blades, yeah. who was, you know, the emperor of salsa. Oh. So it's this like Cape Man was this like beautiful moment in time where you had the two biggest salsa musicians yeah. in the planet right sharing a broadway stage yeah and i wonder if you know like a tourist from i don't know the midwest was aware you right. know like and they went to see the show on like um, wednesday matinee right like were they aware <laughs> yeah were they aware that they were seeing the two biggest right right geniuses in in latin music together yeah. and also the the musical had it Nita Nazario who the three of them are gods mm. in in Hispanic and Latinx yeah. music because of yeah. what they were doing with the with all the genres yeah. and I wonder what Cape Men would have been if they had written it yeah if the three of them had right yeah huh. I wonder what the sensi- sensibility would have been like I right. wonder because like the the music is it's, it's wonderful like Paul Simon's a genius and he did his best to like ad- yeah. you know like to like adapt Latin beats to what he does right? right but I'm like oh god like now I want that salsa musical to happen <laughs> uh, then there were these shows that I found that never made it to Broadway they were like poised to come in over the you know at different points in time and never came in one being Mambo Kings which I remember in like 2005 it was supposed to come to Broadway but they decided not to to bring it in and then there's like a a Frank Lesser show um, set in Mexico which um, never got produced uh, in New York it, it looks like it was done at Arena Stage um, much later called Senor Discretion himself and then there was it looks like there was a, a musical called We'll Take the Town in 1962 about Pancho Villa starring Robert Preston, which just sounds bonkers. Not, not okay. <laughs> um, and that closed on the road. So it's like there, it seemed like there was even more stuff, not necessarily great stuff, also in the works. At, at various points that just never never got off the ground to at least be come into New York right even. it's so interesting with that with that with that Robert Preston musical because yeah. I've read 
that uh, he always thought of that as his best work. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. And okay. around that time was also, it was common and acceptable in the industry, both film and theater, to have white men mm-hmm. and white women, you know, like white people, yeah, put on like bronzer right. and play Asian or play Latino. Right. And I don't, I, I don't even want to think about blackface. But I'm like, I'm yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to imagine Robert Preston, right? Yeah, doing right. this. I did see the first nymph show on this list, Manuel versus the Statue of Liberty. I would love for us to talk about Manuel. Yeah, yeah. I love that musical yeah. so much. Yeah, my friend David Davila is the is the writer, so... Wow. He, or one of, the, I mean, one of the two writers. I missed Pedro Pan at Nymph. Um, yeah, I didn't see that either. But I know that writer, one of the writers of that too, Rebecca Aparicio. But Manuel versus the Statue of Liberty was, was a few years ago? I think uh, it was like 2015. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you happen to see a musical that I think they staged in New York like six years ago or so called The Golem of Havana? That sounds super familiar. I didn't see it, but... Yeah, because I, I included this. Like, I never yeah. saw it. Right. But I included this because I thought it was interesting because it's about uh, a Jewish family in Havana. So The Golem of Havana is um, a musical by Salomon Lerner... Uh, who wrote the music, uh, Len Schiff, who wrote the lyrics, and Michelle Hausman, who wrote the book. And it's about a Hungarian Jewish family living in Havana uh, on the brink of the Cuban Revolution, um, which sounds super interesting. I wish I could have seen that. Yeah, next time it comes around. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought of it. What's really interesting about that musical specifically, at least just based on the reviews and what yeah. I read about the show itself, was that even though it's focused on uh, a, a, a Jewish family who are yeah. themselves like immigrants right. in Cuba, yeah, the biggest Latinx character in the actual show is uh, Fulgencio Batista, mm. who was the president of right. Cuba at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just want some like really rich producer somewhere to do a double bill of the Golem <laughs> of Havana and Evita. Oh my god! Because then we would have like Che and Batista. Yeah, yeah. As you know, singing. Right. And right. what could be like more insane? And I'm sorry for Cuban listeners. Like I don't want to like offend anyone. Like, I'm not on, you know, yeah, I don't want to get into that. But it's just so exciting to think that we have these two extremely controversial Mm -hmm. political figures of Latin American history singing. It's also just interesting to me the the juxtaposition of of Jewish, uh, European Jewish culture in Latin American countries because they're, you know, family members in my family when they immigrated, they went to Mexico. Oh, and wow. they grew up in Mexico and came to the United States in their, um, later, you know. Oh, wow. So it's definitely, it's definitely in a lot of families. Let's talk now about Manuel versus the Statue of Liberty. That was uh, David Davila, Music and Lyrics, and Noemi de la Puente. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, book and, who did Book and Lyrics. You're good. <laughs> and um, that was at Nymph or New York Musical Festival in 2015. Mm-hmm. It was about the a kid who was uh, 
going to he was part of the dreamers mm -hmm. uh program and he uh he won a scholarship yeah yeah and they were they were gonna were they gonna send him back i just remember a battle with the statue of liberty yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> who was played by shakina yeah who was yeah. so wonderful yeah uh, it, yeah, it was exactly that. It was about a dreamer who technically was, you know, undocumented in, in the States who had, who was also like brilliant. Yeah. Right. And he had won this, uh, scholarship. I think right. it was in a British university, mm -hmm. but if he took the scholarship, he could not come back to the States. Oh, okay. And also I think there was a lot about if he took the scholarship uh, there were funds that were not available to him because he was not mm. an American citizen. Mm -hmm. So it was all of that. And yeah. basically, yeah. But just so ironic right now that yeah. we see that this administration doesn't even like the Statue of Liberty either. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this this came, uh, was at NIMP before the whole, you know, before 2016 election even. Oh, yeah. So I mean, which proves that immigration yeah. is, you know, immigration issues are not new to... Right, yeah, absolutely. To the Republican um, chaos, but... Yeah, yeah, no, I thought it was a really just well done, like, just story about, and, you know, very theatrical with, like, the... With the uh, boxing. Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was like a boxing, they had it set up as, like, a boxing ring. It shows like that, where it's like, those are, they're just being they're just like really well done and you know they hit the level of nymph and like there's nowhere else for them to go yeah it's so sad because a lot of the shows that you added to this and yeah. also some shows that i found like uh, i mean i'll i'll tell you the names in a little bit mm -hmm. uh just stay there and yeah. it's they just stay at the festival level and no one ever like right. takes them anywhere else and i just remember just when i went to see uh manuel versus the statue of liberty yeah. and please tell your friend David, yeah. that uh, I have been humming a song about La Abuela, and I remember like something like Bendición Abuela, and mm -hmm. I remember that yeah. song from four years ago, Right. and I'm like, I want that song in my life, like, where, where's, where right, is it, yeah, right. and, but, the, you know, that, that thing that a lot of conservative people say about this is the future that liberals want, right. I think Manuel versus the Statue of Liberty is the future that I imagine mm -hmm. liberals mm -hmm. wanting is what can be more American than having a trans woman play the Statue of Liberty right. and to show how in America there are still like there are places where people who are oppressed by the government mm -hmm. are also like in a battle with each other right. for their rights and for you know because I, I wonder how many people uh, who aren't white, for instance, have to put like the stamp rejecting mm -hmm. dreamers cases, yeah, or that kind of stuff. And it's just so I don't know. It's so exciting because I think mm -hmm. that musical better than a lot of musicals that I've seen ever. Fully captured what the American experience for a Latinx person yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like sometimes you'll go to like a you know, to like an immigration, like meeting or whatever. And someone who you think is on your side because mm -hmm. of how they look, you know, it's like 
because of how, because you're like oh like we're on the same team because we're both we're both oppressed yeah, right yeah and it's the people who like have to turn you down mm-hmm. and who have to be like no sorry there's nothing we can do for you right so I love that musical like I yeah. I hope it goes somewhere there were yeah. like a couple other musicals that yeah. uh, that I saw at Nymph uh, around the same time that I saw Manuel uh, one of them was called. Uh, Children of Salt. Yes. Do you remember that? that? Lozano. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that one had a that one had a book by and lyrics by Lauren Epson Hart. Oh yeah. I don't think we have seen yet a faithful or at least a complex representation of an indigenous Latinx person. Yeah. In a musical. Right, and you know Americans do not really get that history in, in school. Like, right. I, it's not like something I'd be like, oh yeah, like I would really like that story should be on stage because I don't know that story, you mm-hmm. know, which is why we need, you know, writers of different cultures coming in too. Miss You Like Hell, I think, is the most important yeah. musical, at least of the decade. And it broke my heart that it didn't, you know, move past the public theater. Yeah. At least in New York, because there's been productions all over the country, and yeah. I'm about to go see it in Baltimore in oh, a few nice. weeks. Yeah, so I'm excited about yeah. that. But the work that Chiara Alegria Judes and Erin McKeon did, again, is this like beautiful marriage of Chiara's Latinx history, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And her culture, and Erin's knowledge of music and American the American musical and American musical genres so it's this like beautiful combination of Latinx women because it's about two women it's about a mom who's an undocumented immigrant and her daughter who's an American citizen Mm -hmm. and how they go on one last road trip as the mom is just like at the end of her long immigration uh battle right in the Mm -hmm. courts and it's everything you would expect from like a (laughs) mother-daughter drama where like they're fighting most of the time but they love each other but it was such a beautiful snapshot of america because it's also a road trip and they're going from the east coast to the to california and they meet people from all walks of life Mm -hmm. people of all ethnicities of all cultures there's this like lovely uh, tamal vendor they meet they also meet two white gay motorcycle dudes and there's this also uh, black uh, woman who's a park ranger who's also friends with the daughter uh, anyway it's such a beautiful uh, encompassing I would say mm-hmm. of what the United States looks like right now and I was very disappointed that the musical did not run any longer or that it yeah. didn't move to Broadway or another off-Broadway theater. Right. It really humanized yeah. immigration, right? Because we think about it only as like something in the news. Right. But when, we, when you're seeing characters that are fighting just to be together and just fighting, you know, like a mom fighting to be with her daughter, yeah. you can't help but think about it. Like children in cages right, right now. And people escaping violence like like I did for instance Mm -hmm. escaping violence in their home countries to find opportunity 
in America, and I don't think I don't think a show has done that better than Miss You Like Hell. It was important politically, but it was also aesthetically and artistically so fulfilling. And in the New York production, uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, who is someone like Cheetah also, right? Who whenever she's yeah. in a show, like she brings this sense of Latinidad, yeah. even if the play isn't asking of it specifically. And Giselle Jimenez, who played her daughter in this show, were just like absolutely breathtaking. After we've gone through all these musicals, you know, about Latinx characters, any like further thoughts or revelations, I guess? Well, I mean, I think it's really important that we don't forget things like the street of the streets of Paris, which mm-hmm. I, we're never gonna see a revival of it, obviously. Yeah. But I think it's important that we consider how far we've come and how much work there is to be done also and I'm really excited more than anything about the future of musical theater because we have all these people like David Davila and Jaime Lozano Mm -hmm. and all these composers and book writers who are unabashedly Latino and just like wanting to tell our stories so let's embrace the you know the past I guess and deal with the past but also like that's just like make the future come here faster well let's move on to our why is this so good section um we're gonna be talking about the song America from West Side Story so why did you pick this for why is this so good I picked this song specifically because I have a really strong history with with America and I don't uh I don't want to bore listeners with like things about my personal life but I think whenever I think about my grandma who was the person who introduced me to musicals mm-hmm. I think about Rita Moreno yeah in West Side Story specifically because my grandma her name was Anna but I called her Anita so when I got to see West Side Story when I was little and suddenly there was this woman who was such a good you know she was as good a dancer as my grandma no offense to Rita Moreno <laughs> it was fantastic and her name was Anita and then she was thinking about all of these things that I, mm-hmm. you know, I dreamt of moving to New York since right. I was very little. So, in a way, my grandma was the men mm-hmm. in the musical, I mean, in the song, and I was always the women who are the ones who are constantly defending mm-hmm. America, right? Yeah. And the American way of life. And my grandma would be the one telling me things like, you know, like, I like the city of San Juan. And I would be like, but I, you know, like, I want the fancy TVs and I want, like, all the modern stuff in America. One of my favorite lyrics, I like the island Manhattan, smoke on your pipe and put that in.
and it's like such a such a wonderful song yeah obviously because of the structure but now lately i've been listening to america a lot because as a latino i'm seeing what's happening to latinos in the united states where like they're literally being hunted down by crazy people mm-hmm. with guns yeah like the government is constantly attacking us and i've found myself in the position where i'm in the middle of the song if that makes any sense mm-hmm. where i am finding that i'm very grateful and that i do love living in america because of the opportunities that it provides in terms of my security and my safety like yeah. i don't feel the constant threat of like you know uh, gang members or like a completely unstable police and military force and right. drug dealers that I did in Honduras and I I don't feel like I'm going to be persecuted for being gay but at the same time I'm seeing what the administration is doing to Latinos and I'm like sometimes with America recently I find that I'm both mm-hmm. the men and the women mm-hmm. where I'm like just pick up your bags and go back to right. where you're where you were born because yeah. and I think about all the beauty and I think about the food and the culture and all yeah. of that so the reason why I picked America was because it's very representative and I hope I'm not being presumptuous but I think it's very representative of what a lot of Latinos who live in America are experiencing right now mm-hmm. where we are torn like we are we have one foot on each yeah. side basically mm. I like to be in America okay by me in America everything free in America for a small fee in America I like the city of San Juan where I know a boat you can get on <laughs> hundreds of flowers in full bloom hundreds of people in each room you get the conflict in the in the song from you know both sides about you know and then a lot of these lyrics like especially since it's Puerto Rico and it mentions the hurricanes and like you know we all know about the recent hurricanes and how bad I think this song captures Latinidad and with all its complexities and the beauty and the ugliness uh, perfectly yeah and it's and it has all of Sondheim's fun wordplay in it (laughs) it totally does which is uh um and leonard bernstein it feels like you know a dance oh yeah (laughs) and it's so crazy that 60 years after this musical was written like something like everything free in america for a small fee in america is so relevant oh yeah nothing has changed yeah yeah, it's so pointed. There. Some of these verses I don't even remember. The automobile, chromium steel, wire spoke wheel. Very big deal. <laughs> Very big deal in America with the exclamation mark. Even looks yeah. like a tweet the president would yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is interesting to just think of this as a song of, like, conflict over a place. And over identity. Yeah. Like, what are you? when you're not where you were born. I will go back to San Juan when you will shut up and get gone. Everyone there will get big cheer. Everyone there would have moved here. Our final section, which I call Something Wonderful, where we just give a shout out to um, upcoming or current musical theater things 
books, mu- musicals, or events that we're excited about. I'm really looking forward to seeing that production of Miss You Like Hell oh, at yeah. Center Stage Yay. in Baltimore. I'm also going to six in Boston in oh, a couple nice. of weeks, and I'm so excited about a that. A lot of talk about that show, yeah. yeah. That show looks insane. Yeah. It looks like... Can't wait for it to come to New York. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought, you know, like the reason why I was like, I'm going to go to Boston to see it is because I was like, this show sounds too weird to be on Broadway. Oh, so it's probably never coming to Broadway. Oh, funny. And yeah. now it's coming. I just saw the Fiddler on the Roof documentary yesterday. Where's that? Um, it's playing at it's playing in New York at Quad Cinema. I don't know if it's in other cities yet or if it will be. I read the book Miracle... Uh, uh, Wonder of Wonders. This the documentary is called Miracle of Miracles, so it's <laughs> a little easy to confuse them. But um, whereas I thought that book was so well done and comprehensive and very well structured, I thought the documentary was a little more meandering. It didn't really have a focus, but I thought at least like it was a good companion for me to that book because they would show videos uh, of productions around. The world, which is always great to see and when you're reading about in a book, it doesn't have the same effect. And I also just love seeing a lot of scenes again, you know, from the show. But as a documentary itself, I would say I prefer the book. <laughs> that Alyssa Solomon book is yeah. so good. It is, it is just so well done. I feel like it was one of the best theater books that I have read. Yeah. yeah. Especially because that, what you're saying at the end, where she brings mm-hmm. in all the productions all over right, the world and right. like where she like does like the very specific one where was it in a high school mm-hmm. they have yeah. photos and um recordings of that in the documentary but as i said i felt like it needed a little bit of a focus like it goes a lot of different places and <laughs> further on the roof is like there's so much to talk about with that show that it you kind of need a focus thank you all for listening to this episode of scene to song you can write to scene2song at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater. We'll answer your questions on the season finale. Please also email if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Follow us on Instagram at scene2song, on Twitter at scene2song, and on Facebook at scene2song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.